In this episode of Flying Smarter, I start by covering why some window seats are missing a window. Then, I talk with flight attendant Lara Ketterman about long-haul flying. She gives us a peek behind the scenes, covering things ranging from flight attendant scheduling, to people getting frisky in flight, to what flight attendants get up to during long flights. Welcome to episode 30 of Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel to help you become a smarter and savvier traveler. I've been really excited to share this episode, and that's because for the main segment, I'm chatting with Lara Ketterman, a flight attendant who co-hosts an aviation and travel podcast with two fellow airline employees. It's called Non-Rev Lounge, and it's one that I listen to regularly, and so I was super happy to have her on. I had a lot of fun talking with her and learned a lot, and I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Before we get to that though, I'm going to be looking at missing windows, which is a frustrating situation that I've encountered before. Now, let's get started. Why are some window seats missing a window? If you're like me, you like to sit in the window seat and look outside during your flight. Sometimes though, you'll find a row where there's no window. So why do some window seats actually not have a window? Well, the short answer is, there's usually something behind the wall in that space, such as wiring, some structural components, or some air ducts. On Boeing 737s for example, there's often a window missing on the left side of the aircraft just forward of the wing. On 737s, air conditioners are located under the cabin, but the air distribution vents are on the cabin ceiling. The spot where the missing window is, is where Boeing puts the air conditioner riser ducts to get the air to the ceiling. There are some things that you can do to avoid these windowless seats. If you know where a missing window will be, like in the case of the Boeing 737 that I just discussed, you can avoid picking a window seat in that area. You can also use a website like SeatGuru, which will often have information on missing windows. SeatGuru is a great website that provides information about specific aircraft seating configurations, and they'll often show you where missing windows are. I talk more about SeatGuru in episode 24, which is all about seat selection, so you can check that out for more on SeatGuru and how you can use it. Did you know that there are a few airport terminals out there that have aerial walkways above taxiways? These walkways connect different parts of the terminal, but instead of the more common method of having an underground tunnel under a taxiway, they allow passengers to walk above taxiing aircraft offering some pretty unique views. Airports that have them include Denver International Airport and London Gatwick Airport, as well as the new terminals at Seattle Tacoma International Airport and New York's LaGuardia Airport. Lara Ketterman is a Phoenix-based flight attendant with a major U.S. airline. She's one of the co-hosts of Non-Rev Lounge, an airline employee travel and aviation podcast. She has flown all over the world and carries a wealth of airline and travel experience. She also writes for an online travel magazine called Travel Awaits. I'm a regular listener of Non-Rev Lounge, which makes me particularly excited to have Lara here. Lara, welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. I was really excited about this. Yeah, this is really exciting for me. Um, I, I told you this a bit before we recorded, but uh, it's a little bit like meeting a celebrity. Like I've heard your voice of, of listening to your <laughs> podcast and uh, and now you're here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, I wanted to talk to you a bit about uh, long haul flying today. So I understand your airline flies 
extensively, both domestically, internationally, all around the States, the Caribbean, overseas. Um, can you tell me a bit about how flight attendants actually get assigned to the different flights? Sure. Um, okay, so flight attendants do a, a what we call a bid, which is where we um, put in our requests for certain trips. And we do it once a month. And um, we schedule ourselves and every trip could be a different one each week. It doesn't have to be the same. Back in the old days, it was the same trip every week. So people would say, hey, what's your route? And you'd say, oh, Phoenix to New York and back because that's would be my whole schedule. But now we can bid with computers. We can bid uh, separate trips and it all goes by seniority. So the person who's been in the Phoenix space the longest gets the first choice and the computer runs and assigns her or him all of his choices. And then it gets down to me. Now I can only speak from experience, but most flight attendants like to fly long, uh, be up in the air for uh, a bit of time because um, I, and you've had this on your podcast before, we're only paid wheels up to wheels down. So we're part of the old uh, labor railway act. So we like to, we like to fly because that's when we're getting our money. So the long hauls tend to go first and then, then, it, then it goes down a little bit shorter, but those like little one layers from like Phoenix to LA and back and forth, you only get an hour, maybe an hour 20 for that. So that's, it's a big difference from my Phoenix to um, London where I get 10 hours. That's actually one of the things that shocked me when I learned, I was like, if you do like a Phoenix to LA, I one like an hour, hour and a half half your time at work or more you're not actually getting paid for right and some of the hardest parts like boarding or get, when people are getting off the plane that's more than that in itself is probably like an hour and people aren't getting paid for it which is shocking to me yeah isn't that funny it's a yeah well we're ready for some reform <laughs> now when you bid like is it like right when you go into the system you immediately know what you get or is it like everyone bids and then there's sort of like an assignment you're right. It, everyone bids and then you wait, a couple, we wait like three days while they sort it all out. And then, then they award you the, your schedule for the next month. Um, I luckily have never had a problem with that. It's the computer's pretty, pretty mm -hmm. accurate with that, but some people have, but um, I, <laughs> if I've had any problems it's because of my operator error, <laughs> <laughs> I'll forget to ask for a day off that I wanted off and then oh. I'll have a flight instead. <laughs> So, so does that mean like every month there's a almost like a like a mad dash where everyone's bidding and then like a decision day where everyone gets their schedule? Is that kind of how it plays out? Yes. Then? Yes, oh, okay. that's exactly it. And then once that decision day comes, then there's massive amounts of trading because people okay. like, oh, I didn't mean to bid this. And then people will trade, which okay. is nice. Okay. Is kind of, and we can trade tr trips. So it, it's really a very flexible job. Um, As for bidding out of base. um, So I only can bid for Phoenix flights, things that are based here in Phoenix. So for instance, if they have that JFK Doha flight, which I would love, um, I can't bid for that. Back in the olden days, you could bid for that and then just get yourself to JFK. But now, now you're not allowed to do that. Can't bid out of base, which is too bad. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that would, especially for long haul flying, that would always sort of open, open the door to a whole lot of new, new, new opportunities. Eh? But, uh, but I guess you can still non-rev them, right? Uh, and we'll yeah, talk about correct. that later. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, are there any sort of exceptions to the bidding system? And the only the one I'm thinking of is like, let's say you you speak French or you speak Japanese or whatnot. Um, do you sort of get voluntold to go on the the French flight, or the the place to France or Japan? Yes, yes. That 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 can actually, if you're not a senior flight attendant, that can actually work to your benefit that you speak a foreign language. Um, in Phoenix, it's more um, Spanish 
is the, and, and they'll, they'll put you through a testing to make sure that you really do speak Spanish that you can help. Um, but uh, that will help. But uh, it pigeonholes you too sometimes when you're, every three months we're on reserve. And so if you're on reserve, you're going to get stuck with those trips. And a lot of them are the short hauls, because Phoenix to Cabo San Lucas, Phoenix to Puerto Vallarta, Phoenix to Cancun. So those are all which you'd get stuck with on during your reserve month. So it can be a good, it can be a blessing and a curse, but I would consider it more of a blessing because you get paid more too. I thought for, and I guess it probably depends on airlines, but I, I, I was sort of running the impression that once you had enough seniority, you didn't really have to do reserve. They said, well, and that was the way it used to be. But um, during COVID, we lost so many flight attendants that the it's, it's built on a, a mathematical equation. And so now it's dipped down to even for even me at my seniority. I was on reserve a couple of times last year, but, but as we're hiring more and more, it'll help us all. Yeah, exactly. Right. When they're, and, and they're hiring a lot right now from what I, from what I understand. So, so hopefully uh, the situation gets a bit better for, for, for everyone. Right. Um, when you bid, do you have trips that you particularly like? I know you're a bit of a fan of the, the London trip. I do do the London trip. I like that one a lot because you leave um, at four o'clock in the afternoon on day one and you return at one o'clock in the afternoon, day three. So you do miss a night of sleep. So I fly from 4 p.m. and then I land in London at 9.30 in the morning, London time. And, and then I just hit the ground running and I try to see as much, try to see and do as much as I can. And then um, the next morning we leave, uh, we have to be downstairs at 6.30 in the morning. Our flight leaves at 9.30. And then we land back here in Phoenix at like 1, 1.30 in the afternoon. So I do miss a night of sleep, but it's, it's a really fun. It's a nice trip. And when you have a long flight like that, you get to know the passengers, you get to spend some time with them. I like that. I like my passengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's a bit of a longer, well, I don't know. I'm actually, maybe I'll ask you next, but I'm like, it gives you a decent amount of time in London to, to see the sites and spend a bit of time it does. there as well. Right. Um, it does. Yeah. And, and, and on that note, maybe are, are, are the long haul long layovers, do they tend to be a bit longer than the, the, the domestic ones or is that sort of just an assumption I'm making? No, it, 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 they're supposed to be longer. That's not always the case. Um, when we first returned to London after COVID, um, they were a little bit short. They were 19 hours. Um, but now that they're 20, they're about 24 now. It's a lot. It just seems like that's not that much, many more hours, but boy, it really makes a difference. But um, other carriers, I have a girlfriend, she's a flight attendant for British Airways. Last time she went to Bahamas, she had a 40 hour, no, 40, four day layover in Bahamas, four days. Yeah. So other airlines do things differently. Uh, My airline, it's, it's not that long, 40 hours. It would be uh, unusual. What do flight attendants get up to during long haul flights? I mean, I know as a passenger, you see them do their thing at the start, the end of flight, during service. Um, but what about all the hours in between where, you know, it's either dark or passengers are watching TV or sleeping or, or things like that? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Okay, so our flight from like, let's just say from Phoenix to London, it leaves at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we're on a, a 777, uh, Boeing 777-200. Uh, um, it holds uh, 200 and... 63, 273, something like that. Okay, so when we take off, the first thing we do is we come through with a beverage and a snack for everybody. And then we pick up the trash and then we come through with a hot meal for them as a, for their dinner. And they have a choice of two things. It's usually chicken and a pasta. 
and we, we serve everyone. And then we clean that all up. And then what we have is rest and relaxation and we turn down the lights and that's when the crew rest begins. Now on our uh, airplane, there's nine crew members, nine flight attendants. And so we take them in uh, three people at a time, go on break. And it's usually about an hour, hour and a half to two hours. And we have bunks. We have Yes, wow. <laughs> we have bunks. They're in the middle of the airplane, so people can see us walk in there, and then then they don't then we don't come out. They're like, "What's in there? It's, it's a secret room." <laughs> but there's there's four bunks in there, so we'll we'll get to lay down, and you can do you can take a nap if you'd like. You can play on your phone. You can read a book. Most of us nap, and then we'll wake up, and then then it's the next set of turn. The next three get to go in there and take their break. Now, when so let's just say I have my first break, I come out. Now I'll walk through the cabin and pick up trash seat. We're supposed to walk through the cabin every 15 minutes. Um, sometimes we do a water service and we walk through on those long hauls. We have a station set up in the back on both sides of the aircraft with beverages and snacks. So people can come back and, and they'll sit and chat with us. We'll chat with them and find out where they're going. Uh, flight tents are a great resource. If you want to know where to eat, if you're flying somewhere and you're like, Hey, where, where should I eat? And this is what I like. And they'll tell you, what they've done. And then I like to ask my passengers where, where to eat. And that's the way I find new places. And then um, right before landing, about an hour before landing, we go out and we do another beverage and we do a light snack, like a hot pocket or something like that. So um, uh, during the, that middle time, people are resting and then we're taking turns, checking on the passengers. And how does um, food work for flight attendants? Like, do you eat what the passengers eat or does the airline provide meals or are you on your own or how does, how does that work? Well, well, there are crew meals and they're, um, it's basically the same food that the passengers eat. That's more like the business class food. It's, um, it's on that type of setup. It's a, it's a larger, a larger meal. Uh, we flight attendants um, from my airline, um, we, in part of our negotiation, contract negotiations is we said we didn't want the crew meals. Instead, we wanted more money. So we don't get crew meals. The pilots get crew meals, but we do always have leftovers on that long haul flight. Um, I bring my own food because I'm, because uh, I like to work out and I like to keep everything the way I'd like it. So I bring my own food, but I, um, the food we have is coming out of London is amazing. Yeah, the London food is delicious. They have these mashed potatoes with um, mustard seed in them. Oh, so mm -hmm. good. So good. <laughs> That's surprising because I, I usually hear that food coming out of an airline's base that usually tends to be a bit better. So it's interesting that the London food is is, oh, is the better one on that trip. <laughs> it is amazing. Their food is delicious. Mm -hmm. We talk about it all the time. Like last week we had pumpkin curry oh, as wow. the, the vegetarian option. Oh, wow. And it was delicious. Okay. I ate two of those, so I can't. Oh, really so, <laughs> that's funny. Um, honestly, though, like there's a lot of, I, I did a little segment on air, air uh, on food waste a little while back. And I'm like, yeah, like all the food that gets thrown out. But if, if, if you guys are able to eat it, like, that, you know, that's all that we do. helps with that problem too. Right. And the worst part is you really, yeah, you can't take it with you because of, um, in, you know, it's an international customs yeah. immigration. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sort of along the same lines, you're talking about working, there's business class, economy class, like how, how does it work in terms of assignments on who gets to work where, um, is it, is that seniority based or does someone just decide or do you decide no, on board or how does that work? Well, that's, well, some bases do decide on board. Um, 
per our contract, you're supposed to bid for it. And it's part of your bidding. So when I bid for a London, I bid for my different positions I want to work. And so then that goes by seniority. But some bases, when you show up, they say, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. Like, I think in Dallas, that's what they do. Um, and that's because that's the way they've always done it. But for in Phoenix, we, we go by the contract. Gotcha. Do you have a preference on which positions you like to work? Um, I really like to work in the back of the plane with the um, in main cabin. Mm-hmm. I just, it's fun. I like the people. I can talk to them, you know, up in business class, they're, they're working. A lot of times they're working and, and they just, they want to be left alone. And I get that, but I, I like to talk and visit with my passengers. In the crew rest area, is there, is there sort of like, a, like etiquette rules on what you, what you should and shouldn't do that type of thing or? Oh. Or what do people good... usually get? What do usually people get up get get up to in there? <laughs> oh, that's a great great question. Okay, so um, there are bunks, and then there's a curtain that you close yourself in. So it's really pretty private, and you've got your own light in there, um, so you could turn it off and on. Um, usually, the lights inside the bunk are are off, so you could turn your individual light on if you'd like. But um, once you're in there, the kind of the unspoken etiquette rule is: once you're in there, you're in until you're out because if you okay. have to use the restroom and leave, don't come back. You're not coming back because that door opens and closes and it does wake you up if you're sleeping. So once you're in, you're in. Um, and then you're, they had to actually put in a rule that said you can't eat in the bunks because they were getting bugs in there. People were oh. eating in there. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. You're, I mean, you're laying down. There's no room to sit up. It's, it's mm-hmm. a, like you, when you think of a bunk bed, that's exactly what it looks like. And you've got one on top of the other. So it's not like you can sit up and, and eat a meal. So I don't know what they were, why they were eating there. But I always, I have a hot water bottle and it's covered in a little fuzzy thing. And I fill it up and it's, and I put it against lower, my lower back and I, I sleep like a baby and the plane rocks you. And, and if it's turbulent, even better, because that just makes me fall asleep faster. <laughs> yeah, I find I that too. I find that too, like a bit of movement, like uh, not even on a plane, but like on a bus where it kind of rocks a little bit. Like I, I fall asleep quite easily to that too. Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> so you guys have the triple seven two hundreds. Is your is your crew rest? Is it one level down or is it in the middle of the? Is it actually on the main level? It's actually on the main level. Okay. It's on okay. now on the seven eighty seven, which we get a lot of out of Phoenix. Also, it's more of like a we call it the treehouse. Because you walk up, it's it's located in the back of the aircraft. It's by the galley, and you walk up um, like a ladder, and then it branches out with different bunks. Same story. You can't li- you can't sit up. It's all you can lay down. There's little curtains to give you privacy. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, my personal goal before I leave the airline is to get frisky in that in that those bunks that's what the, that's, the talk, that's the big talk i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm gonna out myself out here but yes yeah because that's the big talk is people getting frisky in there i've never seen it and i've never heard it but that's the big talk and my husband's also a flight tenant so and oh so we fly together so yeah okay <laughs> so there you go well. people when they want when uh, it comes time to sign up for breaks they they say you guys can't sleep together you can't be in there together i'm like oh okay oh. That's funny. <laughs> but there's really not very much time mm-hmm. for it anyway. <laughs> well, not for I mean, us. for passengers, yeah. yes. For us, no. Yeah. On on that note, maybe um, I want to do a bit of a, a lightning round type of thing where I, where I bring up some things that happen on board, um, and and I want to hear what you think of them. And some of them are things that I've seen or wondered about, and some of them are just things that I've I've heard of. If if that works for you, I'm ready. 
So I'll go through them and I'll let you uh, essentially comment on them and and, and see what you think. Uh, okay, the, first one is two, the first one is two parts. One, taking your shoes off. And then two, taking your socks off. Oh, that's so bad. That's so bad. Okay. Always leave your shoes and socks on because every piece of that carpet in that airplane, I don't care where you're standing, has had vomit, pee, or poop on it. So do not take those off. Leave those on. Doesn't matter where people have died in that aisle and you're putting your, your, your feet on that. Okay. Oh, uh, I was going to say that the worst I think I've (laughs) seen is someone going barefoot into the lavatory. And I'm like, you know, the amount of water on that ground and it's not water. That's not water. No. (laughs) (laughs) Hepatitis. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Next Uh, snoring in flight. Okay. Oh, okay. In the old days, I used to put a pretzel in people's mouth when they snored. And then someone told me that they could choke him and I felt bad. Okay. <laughs> it was my job. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Eh? <laughs> no, you can't do that anymore. But um, I will touch their lip with a stir stick. If okay. they're snoring. And if the cart is parked right there and they're snoring and their mouth is open, I'll take the, a stir stick and just touch their lip. And then they're like, <laughs> and then, and then they usually they stop or they wake up and they look around. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, does that work? But I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> then you, you usually make a comment like, hey, Rip Van Winkle. Um, you talked about getting frisky in the crew rest. What about getting frisky in the lavatory? Okay. So I, I don't know very many flight attendants that would actually stop two people from walking into the flight, into the lavatory together. Most of us would be like, oh my gosh, and pull everybody aside. And then we'd all watch the the lavatory to see when they came out that, that I can remember on the seven, 757, um, there's no, there are no lavatories on our 757s in the back of the airplane. They're kind of mid cabin. And so um, we saw on a late night flight, and I know it was from Vegas to New York, I, we saw two people go in there. And because the way they were looking around, like, oh, I'm, I hope I don't get, you know, I don't get caught here. But they, got, they snuck in there and they closed the door and we all watched, you know, behind the curtain. We're in the curtain looking, watching, trying to see. But they came out and we clapped. <laughs> and they turned very red i assume yes, they turned very red. and one of the girls went up she said hot towel hot towel she was giving them hot towels <laughs> so that's funny <laughs> so most of us we think yeah. that's funny so so it, it definitely happens does it happen often no not not like okay. we think it would okay. it, it has to be just like that was a night flight most mm-hmm. people were asleep mm-hmm. it, yeah that's yeah. that's when it happens gotcha uh, moving on, who do the middle armrests belong to? Okay, it belongs to the person in the middle. The person in the middle gets the armrest because the aisle person gets all that room over there on the aisle and the window person gets the window and they all they also have an armrest. So that poor middle person. And these days, it's not fun to be the middle person. Fair enough. So they win. If you sit in the window seat, are you in charge of the window shade? Yes, that's your window shade. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm also an av geek. You know, and I like to look out the window and see where we're at. And so if they close it, that's kind of a bummer. But um, usually on gradual, I'll ask them, hey, would you mind opening it up so I can take a look, you know, so I can take a photo? And everyone will. They'll, they'll open that up for you. They'll be happy to open that up usually. But usually if they close it, it's because they want us to take a snap, take a, take, you know, go to sleep. And maybe on, on that note, when, when the cabin is all dark and someone opens up the window and lets all the light in, oh. do you guys usually go and oh. talk to them? <laughs> yes, we do. Immediately. We run out there and, 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 and we'll shut it for them. We'll just lean over and shut it and say, I'm so sorry. Now on the 787, we are in charge of the, of the shades, the window shades. So we can actually close them and lock them so you can't open them. Oh, it's electronic. Yeah. 
Isn't that oh, nice? it's those dimming, it's those dimming ones, yes, right? Where yes, it's the dimming yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, those are pretty cool. <laughs> about about once a month, I get an email saying, "Don't lock the window shades on the 787." We all go, "Oh, sure, we won't do that." First thing we do, lock. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> the, the airline doesn't want you doing it, but oh, no. <laughs> that's the only way to. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you've got everyone's trying to sleep, and then you've got that one person. The most interesting, the funniest one I've seen is pre-787, um, Japan Airlines. I was on a flight to, to Japan with them once, and their flight attendants essentially have a, looks like a like a, like a walking stick, like a cane, yes. and they yes. go and close people's windows for them. Like, they don't have to wake people up, you know, when they want to dim the cabin. Yeah, so that, I thought that An was arm. really cool. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you might I accidentally have... hit someone with it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of those, too. It's, it's a LaCroix. And I use it for pulling um, meal trays out from the back of the meal cart because sometimes it gets stuck back there and you just need a little claw to pull it out. But then I, you can also tap people on the shoulder with that and say, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and last one in the lightning round, when passengers ask for the temperature to be adjusted in the cabin. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to adjust it to what we, we think it needs to be at. So, but you know what? If they are cold, we will warm it up for them because they will be more comfortable and they will sleep if they're warm. If you're cold, you're just miserable. And um, sometimes on these older airplanes, it's it's really hard to get it just right for everyone. Um, and that's why you should always have a, a jacket with you or a blanket or something. But um, we do warm it up. But on the short haul flights, when they say, yeah, we don't because it's mm-hmm. short haul and we're running so we're hot so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate i hate to admit that we lie to a passenger but <laughs> well i mean it's understandable right i mean every what one person says is cold the other person says too hot i mean right yeah it's whatever we want it to be <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay now mo- moving on i know you so you have your own podcast with fellow uh, employees tyler and monique and i'd love to have them on down the down the line uh if they're, great. If, if they're willing to do so. Um, it's called Non-Rev Lounge, and it's named after non-rev flying. Um, can you tell us what non-rev flying is and a little bit about uh, how it works? Sure. Okay, so um, when we travel, and most people know that we get to travel for free, but when we, as an airline employee, we get to travel for free. But um, when we take up a seat on the airplane, we take it up and we're not bringing revenue to the airplane airline. So it's called non-rev. So you're, it, the term is a non-rev, non, non-revenue to the airline. So then when, you're, when you see someone, you're saying, hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm non-revving to San Diego. Yeah, I'm going to go to San Diego and I'm going to look and hope for an open seat. So that's what non-rev is. And then our podcast is about uh, different ways that airline employees can travel uh, all over the world. And um, we're always running for those lay flat seats. We're always hiding, looking for those um, hidden gems of the the lay flat seat, the business class seat. Um, And so um, we help people find um, open flights and how to route themselves to get to a certain destination because we're allowed to travel on other airlines, also non-revenue. And uh, certain airlines have certain agreements with other airlines. So sometimes like we don't have an agreement with um, Frontier, so I can't fly on Frontier. But then on the other hand, they can't fly on us. So it, yeah, so that we try, uh, that's what the premise of the non-rev lounges. And we have guests too that tell us about their travels and things and what they saw, where they went. So it's kind of exciting. 
Lara Ketterman is a flight attendant with a major U.S. airline. She also co-hosts Non-Rev Lounge, a travel and aviation podcast. Despite its name, it's not just for airline employees, and it's on the list of podcasts that I personally listen to and enjoy regularly. You can find both Lara and Non-Rev Lounge on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll include links to both of those in the episode description. Lara, thanks so much for being here. It was so much fun chatting with you. It was really fun. Thanks for having me, Andrew. That brings us to the end of this episode of Flying Smarter. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to leave a five-star review for the show if you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods. It helps convince prospective listeners and guests, and I would really appreciate your help. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Music